0: Bridgeman. The Delphi Murders. Episode 4. Images of the Bridgeman. Once law enforcement becomes aware of the Snapchat photos of the man walking on the same bridge around the same time as Libby and Abby, they release the images to the public with the following statement. The photos appear to depict a white male wearing blue jeans, a blue coat slash jacket, and a hoodie. End quote. I'm going to add to that description with this. The man is walking on the bridge with his hands in his pockets. His downward gaze is directed at the narrow train tracks where planks are missing. He, like the girls, could fall 67 feet down to the creek below if he doesn't take care. The man is framed by trees with bare branches and dead leaves. After the still photos of the man are released, Law enforcement makes a second release, this time of a video of the same man walking on the bridge. What law enforcement doesn't say is how the video came to exist. That information will be shared at a later date. Now the public sees how the man walks, his unique gait. Citizens are also able to hear how he speaks as he says to the teens, guys down the hill. It's a stunning piece of evidence, one that seems destined to quickly seal the perpetrator's fate and land him in a prison cell or facing the death penalty, which is legal in Indiana. Libby's grandparents, Becky and Mike Patty, are also taken aback by the images and audio, which caused them to seesaw between two emotions— grief, and optimism. The optimism comes from the couple's belief that the photos and video will quickly lead to the perpetrator's identity. Suddenly, crime analysts on television, people like Nancy Grace, are weighing in on the shocking video and speculating about its origins. They're thinking maybe trail cams captured the footage. They're also expressing shock that such a crime took place in a small town like Delphi, where people typically don't lock their doors, and in broad daylight, at a park where other people were hiking that day because of the unusually warm weather. The majority of TV analysts, like the Patties and the citizens of Delphi, believe that it's likely someone living in the area will quickly recognize the man on the bridge. Note that the police don't immediately say that this guy in the photos and video is a person of interest. They simply state that they'd like to speak with him. This is when people start referring to the man on the bridge as bridge guy, which then gets shortened to BG. The Nancy Graces of the world then verbalized something that most people haven't yet thought of, and that is the horrifying realization that one of the girls had to have witnessed the other's death. It's simply too awful to even think about. One of the biggest moments in the case occurs when law enforcement finally reveals that it was Libby who took the photos and video using her cell phone, that a 14-year-old secretly documented the man who ends up killing her means either that she was immediately creeped out by him when she noticed his presence behind her and Abby on that bridge, or he may have already shown the girls a weapon and threatened them, or the girls and the man may have already had an unpleasant encounter somewhere earlier along the trail. From what I understand, Libby let the video run as the events transpired, allowing her phone to capture audio. I believe that in doing this, she was likely hoping that if the worst came to pass, then this evidence would prove who did it. Libby is a hero, no matter how you spell it. We also have to recognize that Abby too is a hero. The girls could have run in opposite directions. If they had, perhaps one of them might still be alive. But that's not what appears to have happened. Libby seems to have stuck with Abby, and Abby seems to have stuck with Libby. Another reason they stayed together may be that the guy got a hold of one of them, held a weapon to her, either a gun or a knife, and told the other girl that he'd kill her friend if she didn't comply. That would explain how one person could have controlled two other people. I do believe that the girls did run at some point. We know Libby's shoe was found before she was. Is it possible that the black Nike shoe came off as she and Abby were trying to make a break for it? By the way, I personally believe that the guy's weapon was a knife and not a gun. Why? Well, a gun at least without a silencer would have made a loud distinct noise. I doubt the killer would have risked that in a place where other people were hiking that day. This is me speculating, but I'm doing it based on the location, the time of the day, and also the weather. Law enforcement who are privy to Libby's full video, watch it multiple times. And by full, I mean that there's more video than was released to the public. Soon, everyone is focused on the Monon High Bridge and the photos and video of this man. What does the photo show exactly? What does it reveal about the bridge guy? What is he wearing? Suddenly, what seemed like a surefire way to catch the killer, simply looking at the photos and video, turns into a guessing game. The images are blurry, The man is too far away to see all the fine details. Are his hands really in his pockets? Does he have a gun inside his jacket? Is he wearing a hat, and if so, what kind? Is he middle-aged or younger? Does he look more like this RSO or that one living in and around the area? It's stunning that photos and a video with audio can be so open to interpretation. Now, if you're wondering why some whiz agent at the FBI can't work with the images and make them clearer, here's how prosecuting attorney Robert Ives explained it. The photo is a still frame from a video on a cell phone camera where the man is not fully in the frame. Thus, there are very few pixels making up the photo. That's why it's so blurry, and that's why investigators are unable to enhance the image anymore. As for the audio, Ives has said that it's unbelievably good considering the circumstances, that they were outside when it was taken, and that the man was fairly far away from the phone, at least in the beginning. Libby's mother, Carrie Timmons, when she hears the video, finds the bridge guy eerie, and notes how calmly he orders the girls down the hill. In addition, Timmons says that he doesn't sound like anyone she knows. Timmons, like the public at large, has yet to hear the rest of Libby's audio, and that's probably a good thing. The day of the murders, the high in Delphi was 45 degrees Fahrenheit, and the sun was out. For people in Indiana, 45 degrees and sunny in the winter, can feel like summer. That's why Libby and Abby first left Libby's house without jackets or sweatshirts. It was so nice and so warm. I mention this because many people have noted that Bridge Guy appears to have been overly dressed for the weather that day. He had too many layers on. The heavy blue jacket with the hoodie underneath. For the warm temperatures, that was a lot. Some have speculated that the heavy blue jacket may mean that he works in the nearby Indiana Packers meat packing plant, which is a five minute drive away from the Monin High Bridge. Meat packing would involve large walk in freezers and coolers. That could also explain how he came to be near the Monin High Bridge that day and why he knew about the unique layout of it meaning how people could become cornered on the other side of the bridge if they chanced to take a walk on it. Whoever attacked the girls had to have plotted out that location, known about it, and picked it for its unique setting. Abby and Libby likely didn't know another way to get back across the creek to the drop-off point and pick-up point where Libby's father, Derek, was planning to pick them up. One former FBI agent has said that he believes Bridge Guy may have been waiting somewhere along the trail and trawling for potential victims to set foot on that bridge. I also saw a video on another channel where they showed a tree stand in the nearby woods, and if you don't know what that is, it's like a ladder with a little platform where hunters can sit and watch for deer so someone could have been on that tree stand watching the trail and nobody would have seen him the heavy layers bridge guy wore could also be explained by him wanting to hide a weapon a kill kit and whatever other items he needed to carry out the crime whether that person already had a rendezvous set up with libby and abby i don't know that may very well be the case and we'll talk more about that when we discuss potential perpetrators but whoever that man is he definitely came to the monan high bridge that day prepared to do evil in the days after the crime pretty much no one in delphi is able to smile The air is heavy with a mixture of fear, rage, sadness, unrest, distrust, and suspicion. People are trying to process that two teens could have died due to foul play at the hands of this man on the bridge. Who is he? Where is he? Will he strike again? If so, when? They're also wondering if this is the first time this man has acted out on his twisted impulses or has he done this before? Reporters from across the United States descend en masse to Delphi, along with international crews, including one from the BBC. Interest in the case is intense from the start. Sergeant Kim Riley, the press officer from the Indiana State Police, is having to handle the massive media attention all by himself. It's overwhelming, Riley has to make sure he doesn't say anything publicly that could jeopardize the investigation. But it's a tightrope, trying to appease the citizens of Delphi with enough information while not giving anything critical away. Hundreds of tips are pouring in. Investigators are following every lead around the clock. On Friday, February 17th, Just five days after the murders, a tip takes the detectives to a property in the 11,000 block of Bicycle Bridge Road outside Delphi, 60 miles northwest of Indianapolis. Detectives are later seen bringing boxes out of the home. Although the detectives are there for several hours and interview a person living on the property, no crime tape goes up around the house and no arrests are made. A plea is made to the public not to harass the family that lives there. Now, to get a search warrant, the police have to bring a signed affidavit to a judge that shows probable cause and enough competent evidence and a narrow enough scope to get the judge to grant the search warrant. When the police want a search warrant, they will dig up anything they can find on a person of interest to get it. In this case, While there is probable cause to search that particular home, it doesn't lead to charges, and the investigation eventually reveals that whoever lives there likely has nothing to do with the crime. As more and more tips come in, police plan to search other property. On the Thursday following the murders, a satellite link is set up to provide a secure direct link with FBI headquarters in D.C., and also with the Homeland Security. The action underscores law enforcement's concern over the double homicide. Despite Delphi being abuzz with law enforcement, investigators, the media, the governor, and residents feeling hopeful with so many houses being searched, the searches seem to lead to nothing. On Sunday, February 20th, 2017, hundreds of people gathered to pay their final respects to Libby German and Abby Williams. The girls have separate private funerals. Many citizens turn out along the streets to watch as Libby's hearse travels from the Delphi United Methodist Church to the IOOF Memorial Gardens Cemetery in Pittsburgh, Indiana, where she is laid to rest. Abby is buried in a private ceremony. Now, the unsubstantiated rumor is that the girls, who both had open caskets, were also both wearing scarves, possibly due to neck injuries. On that same Sunday, police announced that the man on the bridge is now their main suspect. It's a huge step up from what they said on Thursday, when they stated that they just wanted to talk to him. Now he's their suspect. On Tuesday, February 22nd, Superintendent Doug Carter of the Indiana State Police appears during a press conference at the Delphi Methodist Church. In an emotional voice, he asks, why Libby? Why Abby? Why the region? Why the state? He tells all listening how sorry he is that this happened. He thanks the media for showing up and spreading the word and the images and video and he makes it clear that they're going to need them to share all of that far and wide. He says to the cameras, someone knows who this individual is. Take a listen.
1: Words tend to escape during these periods of times. I've only had a couple of other situations in my lifetime. I'm able to stand before you and say that. Why Libby? Why Abby? why delphi why carroll county why the region why the state and why even in the nation i say that because this is a classic example and a clear example that evil lives amongst us to the family of the community the region the state as a leader of the indiana state police i say i am so very sorry resources It's unlikely that any of you will ever see, nor will we ever see or experience again, the level of resources that are attached to this investigation, to the media. My gosh, all I can say is to give you my sincere thanks. See, this isn't like TV. There's a perception that that this can be solved very quickly. Anything that we do can be solved very quickly, but this is a testament that, that it can't, and we need you. We've needed you since last week, we need you today, we need you tomorrow, and likely we'll need the media all across this nation. So from a simple guy like me to you, I say thank you. (sighs) To the people dressed funny like me and those that represent the law enforcement profession, please understand we're human beings just like you. I'd stand anywhere in the nation with people standing behind me, and I would suggest to you that every time something like this happens, a little piece of us dies as well. But I also want you to understand how committed we are as as a collective one, and we will continue. I've had an opportunity to speak to my boss, Governor Eric Holcomb, a couple of different times about the situation. And every time I do, I see this look that comes over his face just like yours in this community's. And that's that's the unfortunate experience of experiencing evil. We're not stopping. The poster in front of you. Someone knows who this individual is. Someone knows who this individual is. Is it a family member? Is it a neighbor? Is it an acquaintance? Is it an associate? Or maybe that one guy that lives over at that one place that just kind of not right. Maybe it's his jeans. Maybe it's his jacket or a sweatshirt. Maybe it's his shirt tail. Maybe it's his posture. Maybe it's the right hand in his pocket. You see, even with technology, we need human intelligence. In other words, we need you. I'm not suggesting that science, that everything that we can do with science, has been done. Because we are just getting started. Abby and Libby deserve us. Each and every person listening, watching, or seeing this in some form. We need you. Libby and Abby need you. Please do not rationalize tips away. Rationalize what you think that might not be important away by thinking he would never do that to another human being. Or think what I know doesn't matter. Let folks like the people that are standing behind me with such incredible passion and commitment and dedication to this profession make that determination tips are anonymous some might not want to talk about it because they don't want to get involved because they know the individual again he may be a family member probably has family no one will ever know no one will ever know there's not agency on the planet better than than helping us facilitate this than the fbi and there is as entrenched in this as anybody no one will know as poor as this picture is somebody knows And if you're watching, we'll find you. Who's next? I hate to ask you that question, and I'd give my life to not have to. But I know you've asked yourself that very question. We must recognize it. You see, we're all the same. We're all human beings. We must keep our resolve for Libyan Abbey, for this community. And frankly, to ensure that good trumps evil, and it will. You're going to hear more in just a minute about what we know. Do not discount the voice that you'll hear. We will stay committed with resolve very very rarely exhibited with human behavior until this conclusion. Please be patient, become our partners, and communicate with us as often as you can. And now from a very humble servant, that's the most blessed guy on this planet to represent the profession that I represent. To Abby and Libby,
0: it's my hope and my prayer that you're now experiencing God's promise of eternal peace. When Superintendent Carter asks, who's next, it pretty much freaks everybody out. Because what he's implying with those words is that Bridgeman is a serial killer, or likely a serial killer. So, now the people of Delphi are truly freaking out and locking their doors even tighter than before. Now, during a QA and a with the police, someone asks if they believe the girls had a chance encounter with Bridgeman or if this man knew the girls were going to be on the bridge that day at that time. The police do not give out any specific information, but they do say that both scenarios are possible. Now, I want to share some additional unsubstantiated rumors about the case with you. I cannot say if there's any validity to these rumors, so please bear that in mind. Take these with a huge grain of salt. Also, some of these rumors are disturbing and fairly graphic, so if you're triggered by such things, if they upset you, please stop listening now. The first one is this, Libby fought viciously with her attacker to the point where her nails were shredded. 2. Libby's phone may have been disposed of by the killer in a body of water, I'm pretty sure that would be Deer Creek, but the images and video of him were retrieved from the cloud. 3. Abby may have survived the initial attack and crawled out of the body of water but perished due to hypothermia and blood loss. She was either barely alive when searchers found her or passed away in the ambulance. Again, that is an unsubstantiated rumor, so let's not run with that. 4. DNA matching one of the searchers, a man named Ivan Brumbau, was allegedly located on the girls, but he admits to touching the bodies when he found them, and perhaps he was checking to see if either of them had a pulse. Five, the girl's clothing was found in a body of water, which I think we can say was Deer Creek. And also, we now know from a affidavit that was leaked to the press that the killer took several items of clothing or other items from the girls. We don't know what those are, though. The next few rumors are supposedly taken from someone who lived near Delphi and spoke to Derek German and several other witnesses. These are also unsubstantiated rumors, so take them with a huge grain of salt. 6. A 16-year-old is said to have passed Bridge Guy on the trails near the Freedom Bridge. She made eye contact with him and said he was her height, five six, or an inch taller. He was wearing jeans, a blue jacket, and a hoodie pulled over a short-billed hat. He was also wearing a white scarf below his nose, which covered the lower part of his face and neck. The girl said hi to him as she passed, but he didn't reply. He gave a look that scared her. She reported him to the police before Libby's photo was released. She contributed to a sketch with the scarf covering part of his face, but that sketch was not released. Seven, a second witness, this time a male, saw Bridge Guy on the 501 trail as he was leaving. It was time to be a nine minute walk from the crime scene to where this man saw Bridge Guy. The man described Bridge Guy as short and said he was wearing a house painter's type of hat and a white scarf covering the lower half of his face. They did not speak to one another, and the man did not notice blood on this person. 8. Another male saw Bridge Guy on the 501 heading toward the Freedom Bridge. He only spoke to law enforcement, so there is not any information available as to what this other male told them. Okay, so that's the end of the unsubstantiated rumors. One thing is for certain— Whoever did this to Abby and Libby is one sick puppy with outrageous amounts of rage, and he is very likely a serial killer. At least that's what some of the authorities have indicated. Next time on Bridge Guy, the Delphi Murders, we'll talk through the various men who law enforcement and web sleuths have considered viable candidates for Bridge Guy, It may shock you how many men in or near Indiana resemble to some degree the man on the bridge and who partially fit the profile of the killer. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories, now please do me a favor, hit that like button, leave me a comment, subscribe if you're not yet subscribed. Also, you can now leave donations in your comments as a way to support the channel. Bye.